Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. I'm joined today by leading nutritionist and mum of two, Charlotte Sterling Reed. You might know her from her Instagram, where she is SR Nutrition, and shares really helpful stuff about feeding babies, toddlers with, shall we say, selective tastes, or her books. She worked with Joe Wicks on his Wean and 15 book, and her latest book, How to Feed Your Family, is a toolkit for family meals. Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. I feel like I've wanted to have you on for years because I followed you for such a long time and we've met quite a few times and you've been on my list and we've just never quite managed to make it work. So I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, thank you. I'm sure you've got so many good people to interview. So, you know, but I'm very excited to be here. Very excited to be talking about it. And yeah, like we've met such such a long time ago when we first met. So yeah, we've been we've been around for a while, haven't we? Yeah, it's nice, it's nice. So, family meals. Why do you think meal times are such a crunch point for so many families? Oh, I mean, in all honesty, I know that they are a crunch point for myself, you know. I'm a nutritionist, I work in this field, I have a family, but actually I find meal times a struggle. So for me, I think, how must everybody else feel? Because, you know, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but obviously I have a lot of uh, information and advice on feeding the family. I'm and- really good at this stuff, and even I find it hard. I should be, but when my daughter came into the world and I had two kids, for me, it was a game changer. You know, I could cope with, with my son, feeding him. He loved food. He was really easy. You know, as a family, we love food. And then my daughter came along and so much changed so much she was just a very different character I found parenting too incredibly hard and when it came to meal times I was thinking how do I do this and in all honesty that's one of the reasons why I was really wanted to write this book because I found it challenging and I thought what on earth is all those other families out there doing who've got more kids who feel less confident with food who don't like cooking and so that was genuinely the reason why I created this book because I find it hard and I think it's feeding multiple tastes there you throw fussy eating in it's parents who have different interests different tastes it's you know that juggle of who's doing all of the the housework it's um feeling really tired at the end of the day it's trying to get energy to create a meal that you feel is healthy balanced that everyone will actually eat i mean there are so many complications so if you're feeling this 
as a family, you're not alone. And I was there too. And again, exactly why I created this book. Yeah, I honestly feel like you've just described me. Because oh, I'm, I'm all of those things. Um, I don't really have much interest in cooking. I find it a bit of a chore. Um, it just feels like one extra thing to kind of feel guilty about, like what am I feeding my kids? You know, yeah. the snacks they're eating. Um, and the fact that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, that, you know, they were so tired and towards the end of the day, like dinner time, which, you know, arguably yeah. is the most important. I know, I know people say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but for families, quite often it is dinner time. Yeah. The, yeah. the kids are tired we're tired it's like this is the worst like who planned this who created this this schedule like we should not be having this important meal when we're all knackered it is so true I totally agree with you I think that kind of dinner time environment and having everyone together more more often um is is a really important time and so yeah you know and I find that my kids sometimes they come back from school or nursery especially if they've had one of their long days and they have no appetite. They're not interested. They're overtired. And then I've been working all day and then gone and picked up two grumpy kids. And I come home and I think, well, brilliant. Now I've got to try and cook them a meal while they're both moaning and groaning and laying across the floor and arguing. And it's just an absolute colossal nightmare. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you find this, but we've had some, some really hot, sticky days in the last few weeks. Mm. And I just feel like that can affect things as well. It can affect my desire to get into the kitchen and cook something. Yeah. But also my kids are just they want to just pick at things and not sit down and have a proper meal so it feels like the odds are stacked against us so true but there's loads of solutions so exactly like you just said I mean I am such a fan and I think as parents we constantly feel that we have to cook this whole meal and put that but actually sometimes you know I talk in the book a a lot and recently what I've been doing is I've been doing a lot more menu planning which actually has helped me a lot but one of the things I do in that is I give myself two sometimes three fridge raid meals in the evening so it's like right let's look in the fridge what's available a bit of this a bit of that a bit of this plonk it on the table we all sit down we pick the bits that we want and I think as parents sometimes we think that's not enough but actually it can be it can be for our sanity actually kids love that kind of meal where they have the control over what they're actually putting on their plate it can make meal times less pressured you're less stressed and actually quite often it's going to be much more balanced than you think so I'm such a fan of right, what have I got in my fridge? I can grate a bit of that. I can pop that on a plate. I can bundle a bit of that on a plate. Oh, there's some leftovers. Let's quickly reheat that and bung that on a plate too. And, you know, that kind of Mediterranean way of eating where you just help yourself, it actually becomes much more social, much nicer. And kids often eat more because they have their own control and autonomy. So please, parents, don't be afraid of those kind of buffet meals. They often are the most helpful meals you can have. Yeah, I've heard it um, referred to as like fridge or freezer tapas before. Yeah, it feels like that. a really nice, a nice spin on yeah. just basically a picky tea. Exactly. Now, there's so much admin and mental load involved with feeding ourselves and our kids. You know, there's the meal planning, the buying the foods, navigating any intolerances or dislikes, cooking the meal getting the kids to set it down and actually eat never mind the washing up afterwards or like loading the dishwasher it can yeah, it can yeah. feel unachievable at times can't it yeah and I think it's really okay to accept that yes sometimes that is unachievable and sometimes you are going to go right beans on toast or sometimes you are going to go let's have cereal today I don't have the energy And as long as you can have some of those meals, and even if you're having them really regularly, try and just add a little bit here and a little bit there just to balance them out slightly, 
that is also fine. And I would say to anybody, so say, for example, you're going, right, I cannot be bothered. It's beans on toast tonight. Chuck in a handful of fruit, you know, raspberries on the side. Grate a little bit of cheese on top. Um, you know, if you've got, if you have them and you use them like some milled seeds, you sprinkle those on top of it. You can add little extras that don't take any effort that make that whole meal even more balanced than it is. And actually, beans on toast is a really balanced meal anyway. So I just think take those and go, this doesn't matter. You know, what we feed our kids in one meal on one week doesn't matter. And quite often we berate ourselves when actually beans on toast is a perfectly suitable meal, as is a fortified breakfast cereal with a splash of milk. And again, a handful of grated apple or, or, you know, slices of apple on top. It's absolutely perfect. So don't berate yourselves for those. The other thing that I would say, though, and something I've been doing is I give myself one to two hours at the weekend where I'm like, take the kids away. I want one to two hours to get myself organized for the week. And I actually have found since writing this book that doing a bit of menu planning, you don't even have to stick to the menu plan, but doing a bit of I'm going to create what I do is I create two meals and I freeze them and I try and make them quite in bulk and I freeze them in separate you know containers so there's you know two portions there three portions there one portion there so I have multiple options throughout the week and I create two meals like that that are literally shove it all in a pan and leave it to cook and then I shove it all in a container and I shove it in the freezer and I can take and I make two batches of snacks and this takes me one to two hours at the weekend and I know that sounds like a lot but I cannot tell you the saved headspace during the week when I've done that so when you've said to yourself right I've got two freezer meals for the week and I've got at least two days where I'm quite happy to do a fridge raid or a quick beans on toast that leaves one meal a week really if your kids are at school for you to actually think well I've got to try and prep something or cook something and even that doesn't really have to be that easy it can be like oh I've got this left over or I've made bulk um you know for another meal or oh what did we have at lunch can we double that up kind of thing so for me that's what has worked so well is that one to two hours but, but, you know, bulk make a couple of really simple meals and bulk make a couple of nice snacks and you are winning. And what I do is I put a podcast on, I'll stand in the kitchen or I'll listen to some music on my Alexa device and I will make the most of it. So I'll enjoy it. I'll have, you know, uh, uh, if it's in the evening, I might have a glass of wine with me and just really make that time, a bit of me time, listening to not Disney or not whatever music that I don't want to listen to. I listen to something decent that I want to hear. And I love it. I really enjoy it. I've got no distractions. I'm on my own. Sometimes I do it in the morning, sometimes in the evening, depending on what I feel like. But for me, that has been a game changer. So sorry to go on, no. but that is what it's so helpful and I think and I, I, you know when I was reading your book I was like oh I really I really feel like this would make a big difference for me my issue with batch cooking is that I when I tried to do it in the past I'm really bad at remembering to take stuff out the freezer so yeah, I remember yeah. at like 3 p.m I'm like oh that stuff's still in the freezer what am I going to do so do you have any tips on like just being more organized like how do yeah. you remember to always take the right thing out I guess if you're in the habit of doing it all the time it's yeah that's your the morning thing. routine it's habit. Um, it is habit it is sometimes it's thinking at the beginning of the day or even the night before just having you know we or most of us as parents you know I don't know everyone but I'm sure most of us in the evening we do a bit of an organized so we get the kids stuff ready I just kind of try and tack that onto it so what is what am I going to do I need to get something out for tomorrow also 
a lot of things can be defrosted in the microwave. So if you have a microwave, they can be defrosted. Or, you know, if you've got something like a, a frozen, I don't know, stew or pasta sauce, you know, putting it in a pan and slowly heating it in a pan, which takes a little bit longer, but again, can be really helpful. So mo- not everything needs to be defrosted um, overnight, for example. You can defrost it in other ways. Um, however, the other thing I do is I actually have a little thing and I've, there's a resource that I've created which goes along with the book. So it's kind of menu planning resource, but it also has a part of it which is free to use. So I have like a little chart on my fridge so I know like this needs to be used up. And sometimes it's just about adding that to it. So get this out of the freezer. And again, if you are a menu planner, and that's something I've been doing so much more because on a Sunday, I just get all of my stuff prepped and I know this is what I'm having during the week. And I also don't worry if I if that doesn't go to plan and I go, you know, not doing that now, going to do the beans on toast. Um, But yeah, so kind of just having that on a menu plan really helps you to go, I know what I'm having tonight. I know what I need to do. And on the menu planner I've created, it has on the kind of evening of the of the day before, it has a little note section and I'll say, get this out the freezer. So you can think, right, I need to get that out the freezer, pop that in the fridge, boom, you know, I'm I'm ready to go. So it's hard because I totally get that. And I think some of the snacks I offer as well are quite good because you can literally get them at the freezer and they defrost in minutes. And so I often do like my, I've got some like OT cookies that, you know, go down really well with the kids and some banana slices and they work really well because they're so quickly defrosted. And if you're packing them and taking them out and about with you, by the time you get anywhere, they'll be defrosted anyway. So, you know, I think it's just about changing, just, just doing little things that make it easier. And also, like I said, if you get to the end of the day and you go, oh, I forgot to get that out. Do the beans on toast, you know, do that option and then get the thing out and swap it around for tomorrow and just do that for tomorrow. Yeah. But I do find that on, I've got a couple of tricky days in the week where my kids are at, uh, uh, either, you know, at clubs and things like that. And for me, coming home and not thinking, oh my gosh, now I've got to try and think of cooking something. It's just going, oh yes, I've got this. It's ready to go, boom. And it is such, it's the biggest relief in your mind. You just go, don't need to think about it. It's mm-hmm. there. That's so good. So yeah, that, that's it's really helped me. <laughs> it's, it, that's brilliant. And also, I'm so I'm so relieved to hear you mention beans on toast as a, a viable okay option because yeah. a, few, a few months ago we actually decided let's have beans on toast once once a, once a day, not once a day, once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd all get a bit fed up with beans on toast. That'd be overkill, wouldn't it? Once a week, from yeah. a from a convenience point of view, but also from a cost point of view, we were, we were like, you know, the cost mm. of food is rising so much yeah. at the moment, and we were like, our, our food bills were going up and up and up, and we were like, let's just have beans on toast for one meal, yeah. one dinner, and then it's really helping us. So actually, I feel less guilty about that. Hearing you say it's actually not too bad completely yeah and like I say add a few little extras to it if you can but it is actually pretty balanced meals beans get a bad rap and I think obviously there's salt and sugar in them but you know it's about again what you do all the time and if if the other meals don't have salt and sugar added into them then you know again it's fairly balanced out so and I think beans on toast is a really good it's a filling it's you know it's like you say it's a nice budget option it's a quick one nothing's gone to waste because you've got maybe frozen bread in the freezer and a can of beans that lasts for such a long time so Mm -hmm. it's a winner on so many level so yeah let's absolutely not berate the old beans on toast yeah and it's also delicious it is it really is it really especially yeah with a bit of cheese on top Um, yeah now I would say my kids definitely a little bit too much beige and not enough fruit and veg and Mm -hmm. um I'm so tired of the battles I've heard that the fussier your child is the more variety you should be offering them but it's just so exhausting when the veg ends up on the floor or being hurled across the room and it gets goes into the food waste bin and it just feels like it's such a waste of money and energy 
how do mums like me get out of this rut? How do we how do we encourage our kids to be eating more fruit and veg without losing our sanity? It's really tough. And it's, you know, most parents will be struggling with this at some point. And there's, you know, there's, there's evidence to show that. And I've been through it with both of my two. And it's hard, and it's relentless, and it's exhausting. Um, also, it takes time. So I think, you know, this idea of expecting that next month, your child's going to be eating perfectly isn't really realistic. Because kids go through phases of neophobia, where they don't like, you know, unfamiliar food, or they start to reject foods that previously they had accepted. And it's a really normal part of their kind of development it's often them expressing autonomy so one thing I would say is try and give them plenty of autonomy and other choices if you can because what children often do is they feel like they don't have autonomy elsewhere so they start to go right I know I can control what I put in my mouth and I'm going to do it because I need to express my individualism and my (laughs) you know so that's really helpful the other thing is I mentioned already about the kind of buffet and what did you call it the um the, um, the yeah, yeah, the freezer and fridge tapas. tapas. So the kind of like tapas option, because again, you're giving them autonomy. So you're in control, you're in charge of what is offered and you're providing that spread, but they're actually in control of what they put on their plate. And although that might sound counterintuitive and the first few times you do it, they might only choose cheese um, or bread, you know, like you said, the beige, the beige of food. It takes time, but actually eventually they, they might start to spread out into the other one. So that the other thing that is so key and it's almost impossible and I struggle with it myself is not having not putting pressure on for that food to be eaten and this again some parents are like well I haven't put pressure on and it's still not working but it's about that kind of the environment so stepping away from the fact of I need to get you to eat this and stepping back into let's just make this a really enjoyable mealtime where no one's battling, where no one's being pressured to eat something. Um, and that can be different for every family, but just taking any pressures off to eat certain foods, because the more we pressure kids to eat certain foods, there's actually research that shows the less willing they will be to eat it. So the more that you're like, go on, just just take some of those or go on, just give it a try. You've, you've, you know, you've liked this before, so I know you like it. I just need you to try it. It's not going to help. It's going to have the opposite effect. So that kind of nonchalance, that kind of, okay, don't eat it. That's fine. And the kind of role modeling that you're eating it yourself without going, mmm, yummy, I'm loving this. You know, just this is a really nice, I've really just enjoyed that meal. Yes, you know, I really enjoyed it. Really like that. And that is going to have much more of an impact than us trying to kind of beg them or coax them to try or taste or lick. Because in their minds, they're going, they want me to do this. And there's a reason probably why I shouldn't, you know, Mm. there's a, there's a reason why they're really pushing me to do this. And they often end up going the opposite way. Remembering that it takes time, remembering that kids are going to go through phases where they don't like certain foods. And exactly like you say, one of the things I often say is, keep offering that variety the more that we go okay they don't like that tick we won't offer that again oh they don't like that okay cross that off we're not gonna offer that again we end up really limiting their diet and kids like what is familiar and what they are familiar with so if they're familiar with the spread in front of them even if they're not eating it that's in their mind building normality of those foods those foods become normal and the thing to eat it takes time and you're not alone and so many parents go through I mean there's so many foods that my daughter won't eat she she you know you know she she went through food she's not doing any more of just saying yucky yucky to so many foods (laughs) and we had to just breeze through that and ignore it and my son is kind of you know really out the other side at six and he there's very little that he won't eat um and I think my daughter is definitely a very different child and always I think going to be a little bit more 
more picky. But the more variety you offer, the more options there are that they will accept. And the more that we hone that variety in, the more that you'll end up having them eating just a restricted amount of food. So hopefully those kind of tips help. And there is information in this book about it. And I've obviously got a book which is called How to Feed Your Toddler, which goes into the psychology of this so much more as well. So it might be helpful for any parents who are struggling. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> it's also really, I think, hard for us to, to handle this, uh, navigate this kind of thing, because we were brought up by our parents in terms of food and feeding and eating and mealtime so differently. And so we're almost like having to like unlearn all of this stuff. Like, you know, I was, I was told to sit there and like, you know, sit there until yeah. you've emptied your plate, cleaned your plate. Um, and I remember like sitting there in tears. I can vividly remember yeah. like having to finish eating this curry that I hated when I was little and sitting there and crying. Like I've got to, I've got to force myself to eat it. I'm not allowed to get up, you know, down from the table. Um, and that sort of stuff stays with us. And it's really hard then. Like you find yourself just sort of saying things and you're like, oh, but why am I saying that? And you realize it's because it's just ingrained in us from when we were kids. Yeah, completely. That just gave me goosebumps because it's just so true. Like, I, you know, the, the idea of a child sitting at a table crying and being forced to eat food. And it was really normal when mm. we grew up. You know, we grew up just after kind of times where rationing and, you know, it just wasn't a thing to waste food. And, and you know, there's the, you, you can understand where it all came from. And yeah. also that was just the norm. So parents weren't trying to harm us. No, they no. didn't really get it but yeah. I did as well you know I grew up where my mum would scrape the plate and be like just eat this half you don't have to eat anymore just eat this half and <laughs> you know although I didn't I don't have any kind of psychological effect I remember it I remember clearly being at a table not wanting to eat something and the psychological impact of that can be huge so a lot of what nutritionists like myself talk about in this day and age is trying to build a healthy relationship with food and making forcing children to sit down and eat something they don't want is not going to help like if you imagine if somebody sat you at a table uh, let's say that you were just not hungry maybe you'd snacked extra during the day maybe you weren't feeling great maybe you had a bit of a headache maybe your throat hurt and if somebody sat you down and said to you you will finish that I, I've made that for you. You will finish it. I want you to eat every mouthful. And maybe it was something you're also not that keen on. Let's say like fish that a lot of people aren't necessarily that keen on. Imagine that you were forced to sit down and eat a plate of fish when you weren't hungry, when you weren't feeling your best. How is that? How What effect is that going to have on you coming back to that table, back to that scenario and being given that meal again? You just wouldn't do it, like, you? So, you just wouldn't want it. And the yeah. psychological impact you're going to think I don't want to go back to that meal time I don't want to be offered that plate I don't want to be given that food again and if this happens multiple times with multiple foods the knock-on impact can be huge mm -hmm. so for me the pressure to eat up it's so easy to do as a parent because you're like please I know this is good for you I know you should eat it it doesn't help in the long run mm -hmm. and as you said you remember it from you know from a few years back you remember it so it's so important I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, um, and the autonomy thing that you've talked about, I, I, I think is really important. And there's the theory, isn't there, called the division of responsibility yeah. that we try to kind of use, which is that we decide when mealtimes are and what is served, but our kids decide how much to eat. But the thing that exactly. I struggle with around that is that quite often my kids will reject dinner and then 10 minutes later, they're like, I'm hungry. And we have to decide, do we give you a bowl of cereal because you're hungry? Or do we double down and say, no, you can finish your dinner or nothing else. And then we just have like tears and tantrums and it's stressful. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's and really hard. and we, we kind of like sway between the two, not really knowing like what the best yeah. thing to do is. Yeah. So I love that. And it's amazing that, you know, you, you utilize the division of responsibility because it is important and it's important for allowing children to eat to their own appetite. So rather than us dictating how much they should eat in this instant, you know, again, as adults, we we dictate how much we eat. So we don't necessarily finish a whole meal if we don't if we don't feel like it, we might leave a little bit on the plate or we might only serve ourselves a smaller portion because we know what our appetite is saying. But kids kids you know us thinking I've given you this much this is how much I think you need to eat right now if you think about it why are we in charge of their own appetite and how they feel it is crazy but that's a really good question and it's another reason why menu planning and having a meal plan can help because one of the things that I do and my kids will often say you know maybe they didn't like what's on offer maybe they just didn't feel like that today but actually we aren't chefs in the kitchen that can just go oh yeah let's just whip up something else for you because you don't fancy that today um it's not a good message to teach children that they can refuse something and they'll just get something brand new yeah. and because what ends up happening is they end up often having favorite options so if you think about a child going right I didn't really fancy that meal or I just you know I, I wanted something else and I got my firm favorite what they're going to do at that next meal. Yeah, let's get the firm favorite again. And it can become more habitual for them to say, no, don't want that, something else. And actually all you can do in that situation is often encourage more food refusal and more picky eating. So what I normally would say is what, you know, you've got, here's the dinner. This is what's on offer today. Let's, oh, look at the menu plan. This is what's on offer today. I totally get that you're saying that you want cereal or that you're saying that you want beans on toast. But if you look, actually, that's what's on offer tomorrow. Or maybe we can switch this meal plan around and we can have that tomorrow. So I totally get, you know, that you want that you want the beans on toast today. It's not on offer today. And I've done that with both my kids from day one. So now they know, oh, that's not on offer today. I'm really sorry. The only time I would change this is if you're finding your little one is going through a real period of food refusal when they're refusing dinner on the regular and you are finding it's impacting sleep or it's impacting behavior then you could try introducing a small snack before bedtime which becomes the norm it's added into the menu plan or it's added into your routine so that it's not an alternative it's mm. this is the dinner 
Okay, you know, if you're not eating it, that's fine. You don't have to eat it. But there's a kind of nutritious, maybe it's like yogurt and some slices of apple, or maybe it's like some peanut butter on toast that is had not as an alternative to that meal. But maybe let's say an hour later, just before bed, um, that you have uh, as a kind of cover all to try and reduce that hunger, making sure it's nice and nutrient rich and it's not like a bag of crisps or something, which isn't really going to help, you know, get rid of that hunger or get them any nutrients in. So that's what I would say. I would also say it's often, you know, a bit of a phase. And also let's remember that children are creatures of routine and habit and what becomes normal will often be what they kind of, you know, stick to and the last thing to say on that point is if you do plenty of those kind of component meals or those spreads where children do help themselves so I will often let's say that I was offering um, my kids a curry that they haven't really had very often maybe it's a new recipe I'm trying out and I'm a bit unsure about whether they'll eat it what I'll often do is I'll do the curry and I'll have that and I'll serve it with rice because I know they'll eat rice with yogurt because I know they'll eat yogurt with some peas because I know they'll eat peas those are all quite easy things that you would normally offer with a curry anyway so it's not like it's a curry and then I've offered a slice of toast with it do you see what I mean yeah but it's things that would come with a curry that go naturally but I know if my kids don't touch that curry they're going to eat rice yogurt and peas boom balance there's nutrients in there it's nice and filling so actually I still feel confident that even if they don't touch that nice curry that I have made them that obviously I can either reuse or I can have myself they will be getting something to eat so eating together is often a bit of a crunch point for, for, for parents as well. Um, and it's something that we've struggled with. So we still give our four-year-olds dinner at 5 p.m. And then we eat with our, our eldest child when they've gone to bed. And we used to all eat together at about five o'clock. We found it really hard. And my eldest yeah. often has clubs. And it became this stressful kind of pressure cooker thing. And it was no fun for anyone. But it is really important, isn't it, to eat as a family? So tell me why we should kind of revert back to all eating together. Well, I think the first thing I would say is, even in that scenario, so many families are going to have that scenario. We're not all going to be in the house at the same time always. And so it's totally understandable. And I would normally say just whenever you can, try and have a family meal because it's quite social for the kids. And actually, I think you'll find that families who say they do do it do say that the kids do enjoy it. Mm -hmm. They Joy being part of that meal. And like we've talked about, food isn't just about getting them to eat. It's about helping them to enjoy the process of foods and that kind of eating together and that conviviality, which is like this, the idea of socialising around food and eating together. It, it is key. And it does come up in research, especially around like Mediterranean eating, that kind of behaviour of stopping, pausing, turning everything off, families and communities coming together and sharing their food. It's a really lovely concept. And there's a reason why it it works because of all of that it's the joy of eating rather than like the process of eating if we if you like so if you can eat together even if it's like once a week on a Sunday afternoon it it will you know it will help and it will be important but the midweek chaos and carnage of not eating together don't put the pressure on you know as a family we don't all we don't eat together I normally eat with my two at five and the reason I do that is I'll normally eat either part of their meal or I'll share a bit of their meal together and then when my husband comes in I'll eat with him later like my my proper meal so I will normally let's say that the kids are having a curry I might just have a really small portion of it or if we're having one of those shared meals I'll just have a little bit of you know maybe a couple of sprigs of asparagus and a little bit of rice or something so that I'm sitting with them communicating with them and having some of the foods that they are eating because 
yeah, eating together can really have an impact on them. I think so often as parents, we've got our minds like, we've got to do this, 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 and this. So we feed the kids and we go off and do the dishwasher and clean the sides and put all the stuff away, you know, which is understandable. But I think pausing and taking that time at mealtime can have a really big impact on whether they enjoy the mealtime and whether they see you eating and whether they learn about kind of eating and talking and enjoying food with you. So even if it's just the two of them and you or, or you know, whoever's looking after your kids during the day, it, it matters. So try and sit with them and pause and take some time to eat a meal with them, even if it's not your proper meal, even if you're eating your proper meal later. And like I said, don't expect all of the family members to be eating. Just one-on-one is also fine. Just ideally not having them eating on their own. Because again, if, you, if your kids go to nursery or school, quite often nurseries and schools say that their kids eat really well in those settings and then they come home and they don't eat so well. And quite often that's because they're just sat down with a load of friends and they're all kind of eating similar things and they're just having conversation and having Pokemon wars over lunch or whatever. And they're enjoying that mealtime. So that's quite often why that happens. So like I say, take the pressure off. Doesn't have to be every meal all together as a family, but somebody eating with your kids when they're eating their meals and eating ideally similar things is what we're looking for. So what you're doing is absolutely fine. You know, sitting down, having something at five and then eating, you know, later on, if you can, you know, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) It does, it does. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about snacks. Um, Let's get real. Most toddler and kid snacks aren't great for them, are they? Um, We give ours, um, and I'm about to list a whole bunch that aren't great for them. Um, We give ours those fruit puree pouches and yogurt covered strawberry pieces, and toddler cereal bars but I'm pretty sure they're all going to be really sugary and not ideal um and because they've got an older sibling they've moved on to eating packets of crisps way earlier than than their sister days um what kinds of quick easy snacks are good for kids so yeah such a good quick question snacks is such a tricky topic because kids do need often filling up in between those meal times they need um to be filled up but the problem with the snack situation is that actually the snacks that we often have readily available and the snacks that are the norm to give to kids often aren't nutrient dense ones and you know i i know you know i i don't want to be someone who's like shaming parents for what they give to their kids i really don't it's not my aim i parenting is hard it's so hard and we all have our own shortcuts and I think it's so important that we as a family go I'm okay with with taking this shortcut in these instances because actually everything else I'm trying to do really hard do you know what I mean like we can't be perfect so give yourself a break and have your own shortcut so if that snacks on occasions fine the reason why Snacks are talked about quite a lot is because young children, especially young children who are growing, they have quite small tummies and they often don't have huge appetites because they're so easily distracted by other things or maybe their appetite's down for a few weeks when they're growing or when they've got illness. You know, there's so many things that impact their appetite. So they've got tiny tummies, their appetites are very, very fickle, but they also have very high energy needs and they also have very high nutrient needs. So they need really high amounts of iron when they're growing because iron is important for growing and for building the immune system and all of those things. So just as an example, they need high iron intakes. And a lot of those kind of snacks like the crisps or or biscuits or kind of on the go, you know, fruity, um, just chewy, fruity pieces, they're not really very high in nutrients. They're often very high. They're very sweet or they're very um, kind of sticky and not great for dental health either. Or they're like a packet of crisps, for example, 
they're not really full of anything that's going to help your kid. They might have some salt, they might have a bit of um, fat in them, but they're not likely to be a source of those nutrients that actually kids do need. Now, like I said, if you feel confident that your kid's having good meals and then you're adding those snacks on as a because you need to at certain points, try not to berate yourself about it. But the one thing I do, and I actually talk about this in my toddler book, is try and make the most of snacks. So rather than it being a packet of crisps, boom, that's their snack. How can we add extra? So maybe it's like a packet of crisps with a bit, you know, one of those with a small kind of on the go cheese um, or a carton of milk. Or, you know, how can we bulk that out? So rather than it being just this as a snack, we're actually adding nutrients into that snack. We're giving them more. They're having more energy, more nutrients, get, getting a little bit more filled up um, and having that energy to run around a bit more with this snack. It might be a piece of fruit. It might be a little box of berries that we've just shoved in before we've left the house. How can we add a bit extra to those snacks? So that's one thing I would do. The second thing is, like I say, um, trying if you can to have kind of maybe more nutrient rich snacks, which is not easy on the go. I know. I've got a lot of recipes in my book again, which what I try and do is I make them in bulk and I will freeze them. And I, like I said to you at the very beginning, I'll get out a couple, I'll pop them in a little bag and I'll take them with me, maybe with a piece of fresh fruit or something something that's easy to carry and with older kids I find things like nuts and raisins are so good because they're incredibly nutrient rich quite often kids really like them um, and they're more likely to kind of be able to eat those um, and get a good dose of energy and then they can have that with something like you know half a packet of crisps or whatever it is that they're having so those are some of the things that I would say to do I think snacking is really hard but if you can get ahead make things in bulk when you're giving those kind of snack snacks bought from the shop just top them up with something else if you can um that those are some of the things that I would try and say but I'm very aware that what's on offer in the supermarkets isn't always going to be the best option it's really tough and I would try and say just try and like I say do kind of multi-component snacks so you've got a bit of a balance going on so it might be a piece of a piece of fruit it might be a little block of cheese and then it might be one of those OT bars for example um but just top them up where you can. And I know it's a real, it's a real t- tough topic to talk about because I know it's controversial and parents get really feel quite judged about snacks, I think. And it's really tough because what's available in the supermarket is not always the best option, but there's, there's ways and you don't need to feel guilty about it. I think, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, that, you know, we, 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 you walk down the aisle, the, you know, the baby toddler kids aisle of supermarket and that's the stuff that's there. And so you could be for absolutely forgiven for like loading up your shopping trolley and feeling like, well, I've got, I've got toddler and kid snacks. It's all good. So that is super, Completely. super helpful. The whole kind of just adding to it um, yeah. and not feeling guilty about it. Um, you mentioned nutrition there. How do our kids' nutritional needs differ from ours? Because I remember being told that we shouldn't give our toddlers too much fibre, yet we're so used to hearing that fiber, a high fibre diet is good for us as adults. So yeah, that's a really good question. And again, I do talk about this a lot in my in my book, Toddler. And actually in the How to Feed Your Family book, I've got a whole section at the front on the kind of differences between feeding adults, feeding teenagers and young kids, feeding toddlers and feeding babies. And there's actually a tick list in the back of each of these. So that if you are kind of struggling as little reminders of 
you know, almost the kind of general what's needed uh, because I know it's t- challenging. And I think like um, having a little tick list for me is really great. And I used to do it for myself as well during pregnancy used to have a tick list. So at the end of the day, I was like, you know, have I had what I've needed? You know, I know that it's not always going to be practical for everyone, but it's really helpful. But there are some differences. So a few things, like I've already said, toddlers and young children have small tummies. They need high amounts of energy and nutrients per bite of food that they eat. So they need to try and get as much in as they can, which is why it isn't ideal to just be filling them up, let's say on a packet of crisps, which actually isn't going to offer them the energy and nutrients that they need necessarily. So first is that, that they need the high energy diet. Second is that, you know, they're not really recommended to have high fat, I'm sorry, to have low fat foods. And the reason for this is actually fat's very important for growing brains. Fat's very important for young children who are growing. So the kind of low fat and diet, which I wouldn't generally recommend for, for most people anyway, but it's it's not really ideal for young kids because they need plenty of energy and they need plenty of nutrients. And fat is also important in children's diets too. So things like olive oil, and full fat milks and um and using things like avocado um it is is great it's good to offer kids those kind of foods and the other thing to say is exactly as you mentioned fiber so one of the reasons for this is it comes back to that small tummy is high fiber is recommended for adults because it helps us to feel full it helps us to go i've had a good meal i don't need to keep eating and eat lots more so it's great for like making us feel satisfied basically after a meal um and that, and also fiber is really good for keeping our digestive system healthy. There's so many benefits to fiber. And, you know, we've seen in research that the more kind of fiber that, that we eat, the kind of, the healthier we're likely to be, the healthier our guts are like, likely to be. However, in children, again, when we come back to this tiny tummy, if they're eating lots of high fiber foods, they're not going to have room for all of that extra energy and nutrients that we've talked about that they need because it's going to bulk their tummy out a little bit. However, having said that, um, it is important for kids to get enough fiber. It really is. It's just when they're babies and, you know, kind of between the age of six months and two years of age, they don't want to be having only like high fiber, like all whole grains and all, you know, obviously they're having lots of fruit and vegetables and things like lentils and beans are great for them, but they might not be able to have huge portions of them because of how high in fiber they are. So it's really more about just, um, going in a little bit smaller, maybe with the whole grains versus kind of white varieties, you're doing a bit of a 50-50 and then gradually getting towards them having mainly the whole grains. But ultimately, I think most children actually aren't getting enough fibre. So I don't think it's really something we all need to worry about and think, oh gosh, I need to reduce my child's fibre. In most situations, that won't be the case. It's only if they're feeling really full up after certain foods and then are refusing to eat other things for the rest of the day. And in my experience, it doesn't happen that often. And I think that a lot of kids aren't getting enough fiber. We just had a recent nutrition report come out, which has said that most children and most adults do not eat enough fiber. So in my experience, it's not really something the parents need to go, aha, I need to worry about that. And the one other nutrient to talk about is iron, because as I mentioned, children are growing at a fast rate. Um, they need plenty of iron. Iron's important for so many different functions in the body. And actually, it's very hard to get iron in, in the diet. It's not something that children are naturally going to kind of take to. So things like red lentils are a really good source of iron. Red meat's a good source of iron. Um, things like egg yolks are a good source of iron. And beans and pulses, nut butters can be a good source of iron as well. So not always foods that children really navigate towards, but having a variety in the diet, plant-based um, protein, 
often contain lots of iron. Things like tofu um, can be good sources. And like I said, a bit of meat in the diet as well and some fish and some egg. So kind of combining all of that together can help to make sure that little ones get enough iron. And I have got a blog on that. So there's lots of information in my books and on my website about iron if you are thinking about it. But yeah, that's kind of the differences really. Excellent. Um, And how we talk about food and health really matters, doesn't it? My four-year-olds are already coming back from preschool and asking if the food they're eating is healthy. And I struggle to know what to say because I know it's not really great to label food as good food or bad food. Um, So how would you suggest we kind of model that kind of talking about food in a good way yeah I think it's really challenging especially when they're coming home from school and you you don't want to say oh you know that's not how you should talk about food but I guess it's about showing a different way like you know as a as you know the parents they will pick up so much from us at home too and I often say that to parents who are worried about like what their kids are being fed at nursery or school it's you know what happening the majority of time and what happening at home will be what makes a big difference so yeah I am not an advocate for labeling foods as good or bad and I think that you know food you know a chocolate is not a bad food it's just about how much we would have it and just like we wouldn't necessarily have broccoli every single day we might not have chocolate every single day so it's much more about this kind of healthy you know we talk so much about having a really positive relationship with food so saying that some food's bad that's that's not going to be encouraging a healthy relationship so for me it's talking to the kids about balance it's talking about how you feel when you eat certain foods it's talking about what they like and they don't like and it's about involving all foods in that kind of play you know when we whenever we sit down with kids we always go oh yes I'd love some cake which is fine like there's no nothing wrong with saying that but we never kind of put foods like you know quiche or spaghetti onto that pedestal we're always going oh I'd love some chocolate and you know I play shops and things like that with my daughter all the time because she loves to serve me food and I know it sounds so silly but I I make sure that I don't always say, oh, yes, I love some cake because she's going to just think that that's the thing that is the good stuff. And for me, I love food. I love bread. I love spaghetti. You know, I love a good lasagna, for example. And, you know, so I talk about my love of food in general and that can be chocolate and that can be lasagna do you see do you see what I mean so I do try and do and like for example I really love courgette I know it's a bit of a funny vegetable to love but I love it and I will eat it raw and I would you know sometimes just kind of frying it up with a tiny little bit of oil oh god for me I love it so I tell my kids when I love when I really like or enjoy something um because for them, I think that's really important. So it's it's trying not to put certain foods on a pedestal. Um, and, you know, I talk about this in celebrations again, when we have celebrations. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't offer party food. Please offer party food. And most kids are going to be normal, you know, to have that. But actually, there are other foods that can be really enjoyable that kids love that we could bring out at those as well. So I think it's about that and not trying to offer certain foods as treats. So, you know, oh, if you have that, you can have some chocolate buttons. Because all we're doing is making that the desire so when you then offer them a plate of lasagna and they go oh I don't want this it's because you know often we've gone this is the best stuff this Mm -hmm. is what you really want and this is you've got to just get through this to get to this you know so trying to keep foods on a level of playing field not talking about things like foods being good or bad or oh I should be I should not be eating this this isn't good for me like no because that is not going to have a positive impact on how your kids feels about food and I think 
a lot of us do love food and our our foodies and trying to raise kids to love food too. And so it's all about trying to just help them enjoy. We have such a wide variety of foods available to us. We are so lucky. We are so lucky and so privileged to be able to go to the supermarket and buy a tin of beans or buy, you know, sourdough bread or whatever it is that we enjoy as a family. Um, And we're so lucky. And I think it's just about appreciating food for being food and just loving it and letting your kids see you love it whether that's chocolate or cheese or broccoli yeah yeah (laughs) yeah charlotte thank you so much i feel so inspired i feel like this conversation has definitely helped me kind of reframe a lot about feeding my family um thank you so much for being my guest today it's been such a great chat remind us where we can find you online and where we can find your books before you go oh amazing so thank you so much and i really do hope that the how to your family I really hope that it does help take the pressure off families and just you know give them a bit of you know inspiration and joy with 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 doing all this I really genuinely do that's my aim with it so thank you for letting me talk about it and witter on to you for Um, but yeah, so you can find me. I'm on Instagram at SR underscore nutrition, but I also have a website which is www.srnutrition.co.uk. And honestly, there is so much on there. I think loads of people don't know that I have a website, I have a blog, I've got recipes. I've pretty much answered in every single child feeding or baby feeding question ever on that blog. So do go check that out. And you can find How to Feed Your Family, local bookstore if you like using those, Waterstones, WH Smith, and um, Amazon as well you can find how to feed your family so thank you guys for listening and I hope it was helpful thank you for having me on thank you Charlotte hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.